0: Today is Christmas Eve, and in the United States that means you have one day left to finish your shopping before Christmas Day tomorrow. In countries like Spain, Mexico, Poland, and Italy, this day is considered more important than tomorrow, and the culmination of celebration ends this evening with the midnight mass for Catholic services. In countries like Germany, Sweden, and Portugal, Christmas Eve is the traditional day to exchange gifts. And in many other European countries, Christmas Eve is the day when the Christmas tree is brought into the house. It's a day of expectation and excitement. But Christmas Eve like Christmas Day, is as much a celebration of a day and the events surrounding it, as much as it is a a mindset. And just because the calendar is saying one thing, doesn't mean that that's actually how we feel. Holidays, like anything else, are impacted by the events and the environment surrounding them today while being Christmas Eve is also my father's birthday and today he is waking up in a hospital room where he is recovering from a lung and heart condition that has revealed that he will soon be preparing in the next few days, hopefully, for open-heart surgery. Christmas Eve is uh, a strange birthday for anyone to have, and I'm sure that in some occasions it's felt less like his birthday than it did like Christmas Eve, and others less like Christmas Eve and more like his birthday. But on a day like today, waking up in a hospital, it might not feel like his birthday or Christmas Eve. And for those of us who love and care about him, it can be difficult to think that um, this is how his and our Christmas will be celebrated. It's a stark contrast to the delightful, inspiring and encouraging images that are part of the Christmas entertainment experience on television, on the radio, in the news, and in movies. And yet it's part of the harsher reality that can sometimes conflict with the magic and wonder that the holidays... uh, have been bringing us since we were children. And there can be uh, a sense of confusion about why something is happening or whether or not a holiday even feels like the thing it's supposed to be or if a holiday is even real on a day when So many other things either feel more important, more pressing, or that they have removed the importance of the holiday. And yet at the same time, because the holiday is a mindset, because the celebration is about the things we make it, even when the government is shut down, or political strife and discord are the dominating headlines, that doesn't mean that there isn't a way to see the value in the holidays we celebrate, even when our ability to celebrate them is either limited or hindered. Not all Christmas holidays begin well. Not all Christmas holidays end well. And some stink right from the beginning all the way to the end. But there is a change that occurs when we put our focus for the holiday, and our emphasis for it on something other than the material giving and getting, or even more on our expectations based on dreams, memories, wishes, or hopes. And when that change occurs the value of the holiday is experienced as much because of the challenges that exist to celebrate it, but because of the spirit that recognizes the reasons for celebrating it. And if we are lucky enough to keep that in mind, Then we have a chance to change our perspective And when we do that We have the ability to make A holiday celebration that's based on our expectations And not the ones that we might have been encouraged to Support, believe, or desire And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Christmas doesn't feel like Christmas when your father is in the hospital. It's a completely opposite view, a stark contrast to the memories of childhood in which every member of the family that you expect to be present is present, and there's a sense of warmth and comfort and camaraderie. And that contrast can create a, a challenge to either your beliefs or to your expectations, um, most importantly, to your emotions. My father went in the hospital almost two weeks ago now, after sustaining a fall that revealed internal bleeding, and that also uh, exposed Uh, Complications that uh, were created for his lungs and then also revealed a heart condition that needs to be treated very quickly. Uh, In the medical community, apparently it's nicknamed the Widowmaker. And it's a condition that if it had not been discovered would have drastically changed his future within the next six months, most likely for the worse. If you've ever been caught looking too long, too deeply at the Norman Rockwell Saturday Evening Post covers... Of Christmas and Santa Claus, and the sort of reflective and introspective images it provides. And then you try to look around at the present. You are currently living in, the differences become, well, to quote an old phrase, very apparent, if not all too clear. For me, there's always been a chaos that leads to the days building up to Christmas. I often feel it in the days leading up to Thanksgiving, but it's exponentially increased. (laughs) That's a fun word for me to always enjoy using. It's heightened so much more so by the value that is placed on Christmas, the Christmas experience, and the experiences that we have either viewed on television and in other media like magazines and books or that we have held on to from whether it's our earliest memories or even some that are more recent. And I think that the challenge comes with the expectation of either trying to achieve what we see and trying to achieve what we've experienced in the past. I can honestly say that the moment I started recording this, I knew that only a few short days before Christmas that the chaos would be everywhere, uh, on the streets, on television in the news and right outside my window which means that I am happy to simply be able to sit down and make this recording and capture down these ideas uh, as they're here now and as they're fresh while they're fresh so my french bulldog Bruno and my pit bull Fiji are here in my lap I can hear the roaring of Bruno's snore almost as well as the slamming of car doors and trunks outside and cars passing by, knowing full well that there's only maybe 48 hours until Christmas has arrived, probably less if you wake up particularly early on December 25th. This isn't the first time that my Christmas or the Christmas of those around me has not felt like Christmas. I can remember just 12 years ago when friends of the family had an accident and one of the adults who was working on a roof slipped and fell and broke many bones from the waist down, too many to go into detail. And it was right before Christmas, and it was uh, Christmas in the hospital, followed by a very long and painful recovery. I can personally remember years before that, struggling to get presents ready and Meet commitments to um, the family of a relationship I was in, as well as my own family, and that near the end of a very long, exhausting day, I arrived to see my parents and my sister and collapse into their arms, exhausted and in tears and happy to just hug someone and let go for a while. Those are the kind of experiences that jar the expectation of the Norman Rockwell Christmas painting, or even the. I guess the best word would be the mythology that is created through Christmas movies and Christmas television. It's not that it's not true. It's not that the miracles don't happen. It's simply that uh, when they do happen they seem so rare and when they don't happen they can seem and feel so often so much more likely It's not unsurprising that there are stories addressing so many of the elements that come with the holidays. Uh, it was just in the past week that a new study revealed that there are three very distinctive periods in our life when we experience depression, deep searing depression, and that these are caused by events occurring around us. I took heart in the fact that these periods were recognizable, and by the idea that they occurred at these, at least, as far as they can tell, these three sort of specific time periods because it reminded me that as I said it was only 12 years ago that there was friends of the family who were uh, experiencing the the trauma of a family member who was in the hospital and you know dealing with all the elements that come with a hospital stay and recovery compounded by the fact that it was only days before Christmas. And just like the people's voice, who you just heard outside, or maybe neighbors coming up and down the stairs uh, in nearby apartments, there's no predicting how and when these will occur but knowing that they have occurred in the past and that they are part of this blip or variable that can arise whenever the holiday season comes around can sometimes be a helpful recognition when they do occur. And when you're in the midst of saying, this isn't what's supposed to be happening, or this isn't what I wanted to happen, or more importantly, this is the one thing I didn't want to happen. (laughs) And the fact that it's occurring during Christmas, during the holidays, or like that car that just drove by (laughs) during a recording, doesn't take away from the, the value For me, it's actually become something that I'm hoping uh, is a recognition of the work and the effort that's required to even get close to those moments. I don't remember Santa ever coming down my chimney. I don't remember seeing him placing presents beneath the tree and then catching me spying looking over his shoulder to give me a wink before he disappeared or even finding the cookie with the missing bite and the glass of milk but I do remember these snapshots of good food family maybe a fire maybe a great book and Christmas music on in the background or coming in from a cold day. And for so many reasons, those little moments are as valuable, if not more so than the pictures I I might have once envied and maybe in some way still do when I look at the uh, the covers of Saturday Evening Post that were drawn or illustrated by uh, Norman Rockwell. It's because of this that I believe it's been easier now to accept car racing by just now in the background, as well as the other little things that can feel, again, so compounded when the holidays are part of that calendar or when the events that you're experiencing, while unpleasant or unfortunate or downright heartbreaking, are occurring during a time that so many gear up for as a celebration of all that is good and right and bright and light. Living in Oakland, it's not too hard to walk outside and see people struggling, to know that around you there are others who are digging through your garbage and recycling for things they can barter, things they can use. Uh, Then under the overpasses, just a few streetlights away, are the tent cities and the makeshift homes, the cars that don't move but provide four walls and a sense of safety and security and maybe even a few degrees of warmth. It's also easy to look at the headlines or watch the news and the updates about the recent camp and Butte fires and those who lost everything and watched it turn to ash, now make do with what little they've been given through charity as they cobble together um, what they can to create the Christmas memory for this year. When I do think about my dad, which is quite often, I'm often, or most likely, going to remember something that he said that revealed to me a perspective that I might not have considered. For a brief background, my father is probably one of the toughest people I know. He picked cotton as a child until he graduated high school. He served in an unpopular war and was thoughtful enough and able to use enough foresight to gain a trade while he was enlisted so that when he got out, unlike many who returned home as veterans, unable to find work, he could secure a job and a future. And when I would complain about being asked to go outside to help weed the front or backyard or do another form of manual labor and my hands would get sore and maybe blisters, and he would tell me about pain he experienced when the thorns that surround the cotton he was picking would leave him raw and tender and at the mercy of well what was effective but certainly not painless (laughs) medicine and when I heard those stories I realized that I couldn't complain because what he was describing was so much more difficult than anything I was experiencing in that moment. Which became helpful whenever I was doing something that seemed difficult or was a challenge that I knew would require the best or the most or the greatest of me. And somehow the knowledge that I was his son and he had done the things that I thought, especially when I first heard them, sounded impossible and yet he somehow had done them, I knew that if I applied that same mindset, I could do them too. My father's birthday is on Christmas Eve. Last year, I recorded a video about how I was preparing for a job interview in another city. And because it had been so long since I tied a tie and was in a hurry to get ready for my interview, I had one of those mental blanks when I simply couldn't remember how to do it. So I called him on the phone, put him on speaker, and he walked me through the steps. I've got a YouTube video about how it works and everything I remember about tying the tie based on what he told me that morning and the hows and the whys uh, that that One lesson, compared to all the ones before it, has stuck with me the most. But it wasn't until I was riding on a BART train Thursday that I knew what I wanted to say. And more importantly, why I wanted to say anything about his birthday or the events leading up to it, or the things he taught me that I remember whenever I think about him or whenever I think about his birthday. I work in San Francisco. I work in an early shift. Um, I call it a shift, but it's my own schedule and I try and arrange my schedule to be out of the office and back on BART by 2.30, simply to avoid the, the chaos of commuting and the uh, difficulties that come from it. And because if I can create my own schedule, then I might as well take uh, the best advantages of it that I can considering the the time that I have to build in for my commute. BART can be, uh, which is our Bay Area rapid transit for anyone who's not familiar with the San Francisco Bay Area, BART can be as challenging as any public transit system. There's uh, a history of incidents. Uh, Recent news stories have focused on kids stealing cell phones and other electronic devices being taken either individually or by large mobs running through the chains and Swiping or beating, whatever they can get their hands on. Um, And beyond that, there are the people who don't like to allow others to share two seats if they feel they can take up, you know, both seats by themselves. Uh, There's a few homeless, more than a few. Uh, Plenty of people either on drugs or uh, simply trying to avoid somewhere else. And it's a refuge. And not everyone seeking refuge is in the best place. When you combine that with people working in early commute like myself, and then again with the later commuters in the hours to follow, it can create a lot of messes and a lot of confusion chaos, and unfortunately a lot of accidents. From the time I board the BART train at the Van Ness station, or I'm sorry, the Civic Center, after getting from uni, from Van Ness to Civic Center, and then boarding BART there, I have about six stops until I arrive at my stop to, uh, disembark which is always a fun word i never get to use uh, in my day to day and i boarded the train and tried to go for one of the last cars where sometimes there can be less people and I had been thinking about my dad and put in my headphones so I could just listen to some music and try not to get too wrapped up in the things going on around me. Gradually, there was some commotion at the other end of the car, and more and more people began to surround me, so that by the time we were reaching the last two or three stops, the crowds near the doors were making it unsafe for people coming on and coming off of the train. Now, I had positioned myself by one door because there were less people, but as I said, more and more people had begun to crowd and surround me. And after I began looking around, I realized that the other end of the car was much more empty. People were looking over there, but I didn't know why. And I wasn't worried because what concerned me more at that moment was the fact that I was part of this unsafe environment, crowding around the entry and the exit. To the car, and that when people are trying to rush on and off BART and the doors are closing, accidents can happen and sometimes they can be fatal. And few things can be more disheartening at the holidays than fatal accidents. Accidents are bad enough, something that's fatal just feels more. I don't know, more painful in some way. So I moved down to the other end of the car, and I noticed a couple who saw where I had moved to, and they actually moved two seats away from where I was standing. I didn't understand why, but I was also dwelling on some recent text messages I had received about my father and how his condition, which had started out uh, a fall, with some internal bleeding that was affecting his breathing had now turned into a heart condition and a series of questions and many of them still unanswered. At times I would glance towards where the crowd was or the people sitting to my left, sitting to my left on on their chairs, and they would look at me and then at the floor or around me but I couldn't bring myself to focus on what it was that they were paying attention to. Finally, it was at the West Oakland station that a gentleman, couldn't have been more than 30, approached me and reached out his arm in my direction. And I thought he was signaling me that he wanted to get past me to get off of the train, which I thought was strange because the doors were opening on the other side and when I moved he started to speak and I pulled out a headphone and he told me that someone had vomited on the floor near where I was and that it was still just this liquid swimming around and that some of it was getting on my shoes and I didn't want to say out loud to him or to myself that it doesn't matter or I don't care or anything else to be as dismissive. But at that moment, I could only imagine that my father lying in a hospital bed facing an uncertain future would probably prefer to be in my shoes at that moment standing in a bark car with a small amount of vomit sort of swirling around on the floor by his feet knowing that in two stops he's getting off and that however much of a problem this might seem it'll all be behind him as soon as he walks off that train. And while I know and knew in that moment that I couldn't trade places with him or that I couldn't give him my place to stand, I did know that I could remember that he was the person who had taught me to have this perspective, to share this perspective, to consider this perspective. And that since he couldn't be there and because I had come to admire just how many different ways his perspectives showed me things that I now consider to be extremely valuable, I knew that I could stop and that I could avoid an emotional reaction by thinking about that idea of perspective, and by knowing that, by keeping that in mind, I could model his example, the one that I admired and that I could look at how little it meant for me to be standing in someone else's vomit when in two stops I would walk off the car and after so many feet walking on concrete escalator stairs and at different points on the grass My shoes would be, for the most part, clean. And little, if any, of the residue of that substance I was standing in on the bark car would remain. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. So, after standing in somebody else's vomit on a BART car and walking away with the perspective that after so many steps it would all be behind me. What could I keep in mind as I was uh, ending one day and preparing for the next three or four that would eventually lead to Tuesday, December 25th, Christmas morning? And I returned to the idea that I heard said by someone I spoke with a short time ago, named Far Eye Shields. And Far Eye said, The dream is a gift. Granted there was more he was saying around at the time and you can listen to that conversation, you know, to get the full uh, context. But keeping in mind that, that main idea, that theme, that Thesis The dream is a gift. That by comparison, uh, in relation to where my dad was and still currently is, and where I was, which was already on the upside because I was standing, the fact that I was moving forward and moving towards Christmas Day was a gift. It's a gift as much as Bruno here, who is somehow moved closer to me and whose snores have somehow gotten even louder although he wasn't that far away to begin with so how it is that they've gotten louder by him just nudging a few inches closer well it's astounding and it's also a gift there's a very popular article on the Wall Street Journal right now, that talks about how movies invented Christmas, how the introduction of first the story, Christmas Carol, and later the film adaptations gave Hollywood the opportunity to talk about the holiday without focusing on the story of Christ, the uh, Birth in the Manger, Mary Joseph, or some of the inconsistencies about the holiday, which had waxed and waned in popularity, was briefly outlawed by the Puritans, um, and is also viewed unfavorably by those who feel that it's a glorification of, of excess. But how the Christmas Carol gave movies without pinning this on Hollywood or any, any particular movie production company or anything else like that, that it gave movies a way to celebrate the holiday without becoming mixed up in changing beliefs, doctrines, or other philosophies. That. The Christmas Carol was a story about redemption without the divine, and that was something that was more easily digestible by the um, largest percentages of the country. And this was actually a trend that would continue uh, in many other films that followed until gradually the divine was introduced. But even when it was... um, for example, in, in something like *It's a Wonderful Life*, um, which featured both uh, members of the cast and the production who um, were raised in different religious doctrine that supported and um, emphasized the belief and celebration of Christmas, that the message that they focused on was less about the spiritual or uh, religious message and story that boiled down to one that was more human, a recognition of the value of the experience, because you have to remember, it's a wonderful life, doesn't start out wonderful, and it goes quite bad in many different ways, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you, But when it does reach its conclusion, the revelation made by the main character is that it's a wonderful life in spite of all of the things that at the beginning seem so horrible and terrible. That these moments we are able to gather with family and friends are not perfect. And they're so imperfect that they're familiar because of their imperfections and the people who bring them and who not only create but perpetuate them year after year. But that the work we put in, the effort we make, the time we invest to be with one another, to celebrate each other, to make sharing that time something that is valuable, that is worthwhile, that is worth the effort. Is the gift. It's the dream that is the gift. It's the. Oh, that's a big dog barking in the background. It's the aspiration. It's the desire to strive for something that, when compared to the pictures, is almost impossible. And sadly, if it's achieved, often seems to be achieved a great sacrifice, a great personal, professional, or sadly some other, maybe even deeper form of loss. But at the end of it all, it's the recognition that all of that is done to get to the place where you can look to the ones that are around you and smile and share, and be thankful, because even if it's not the dream that you were hoping to have, or even if the dream doesn't look like the one you'd been dreaming, the fact that you're still able to dream it is the gift. Maybe you can make it a little bit better next year. Maybe you can do something different or make some improvement. Maybe I can find a soundproof area where the car driving by, well, I don't know if I can keep Bruno the snorer out, but I mean, there's always a possibility. Maybe that's something I can work for. But I also had to work hard enough to get to the point where I could sit down today and make this recording. And when I get the chance to gather with family and friends, those who I am able to gather with, it'll be a gift. I won't be able to celebrate Christmas with my mom and dad in the hospital this year. And even my sister, who will be able to make a trip out later this week, won't be able to be there in person either. Nothing can replace that. Nothing can make it different but what can happen is I can make the best of the people who I am able to share that day with and who I am able to make the effort to spend time around as we do each Christmas and holiday that I get to celebrate with family and friends in the Bay Area But that the want and the desire to be there next year and every year after, as often as I can, in the few weeks to follow, in the months that follow that, that to keep dreaming for that is also a gift. And that it's the gift that has enough value for me that I'll continue to work towards, make the effort for, and invest in. And that, much like the Christmas, we will all be celebrating, for those of us who are celebrating it. The work that we will have put in, the time invested, it will all, well, as the saying says, it will all be worth it for the time we get to share with those around us. And even in those times, which I can remember, when I couldn't be around friends and family, when a certain holiday was a time measured by loneliness and the lack of those around me that I wished were, that was also an investment. That was also an effort and a part of the process to get to those next times when I could be, so that even when it wasn't something I could experience on certain years, given years, and maybe at the times when I thought I needed it most, it was part of the investment, the striving, and the dreaming to know that that was something I still was working towards, and that when I got there... However it looked, whatever imperfections it presented, however complete or incomplete it was, because it was part of the dream, it was a gift, and it was worth it. I hope that however you celebrate the holiday season that marks the end of December and the transition into the new year, that you find the things in it that make it worth it, the people in it that make it worth it. And that in whatever way, not ever, but in whatever way, you feel best reflects you, that you can see the value in the investment you made to share it with others. And the investment you might be making now so that you can share it with them in the future. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and may the remainder of this holiday season and the rest of all next year be a time when you can dream. I think that might be my only resolution. Let's check back at the beginning of the year And see if that holds true. Have a safe and happy holiday. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. I recorded this episode yesterday in one take and with little preparation, and I only began thinking about it on Thursday when I was riding that fateful BART train home. But the more that I've been talking about it, the more I've also realized that this is a feeling that was triggered by recent events, but that is something that I've experienced in the past. And what mattered to me the most when I was experiencing it on Thursday, was the recognition that eventually the events that were occurring would continue moving forward, and that with time, most of what I was experiencing would fade away into distant, obscure, or depending on the events to follow, a relatively unimportant Um, experience and much like some of the experiences I described in the past when a accident or unfortunate event would impact a popular holiday a time that's supposed to be about joy and togetherness and rarely talks about pain or suffering, and that by not pausing to recognize this moment now, that I would potentially still be either surprised, caught off guard, or unprepared the next time something like this comes around. And that that wasn't something I wanted to happen, that I wanted to acknowledge uh, the way recent events could make me feel, and how this is something that others could be experiencing or may have experienced as well. But most importantly, that because there is no way of predicting the future, and because bad things accidents can happen when we are least expecting them or when we, for the most part, don't want them to happen specifically at certain times, and they do, it can be a challenge to what we were expecting, and that challenge can really be debilitating, unless it's something that we've already been able to prepare for, learn from, and recognize the next time it comes around. And it was that desire to recognize this moment so that I could be prepared in the future to recognize it again is what really drove me to... Just record this with as little preparation as possible. I understand that it might feel like a little bit more of a journey than some of my other recordings, and anyone who pressed play and took this journey with me, thank you. I wasn't sure where it was going, and even as I'm recording these final statements, I'm still not sure where it has gone or where it could go next. But what I do know is that it was a moment that I didn't want to allow to pass me by. And I'm hoping that by taking the time to address and acknowledge it now, I've made a positive step or movement in the right best or better direction, and that if you're on the same journey, maybe you have too. Maybe we should compare notes again in the future, and if you have any you'd like to share with me, please send them in. Thank you again for listening and supporting. You may not know, but every time you play an episode, I receive financial support, whether it's from the ads that I'm now beginning to record or if it is through uh, other sponsorship opportunities. If you want to provide support, you can always hit the support button somewhere on your player, usually right there on the uh, main screen where this podcast is showing or By clicking on the support links, which will allow you to become a financial donor. And you can always reach out to me and Anchor if you're interested in having my voice for your audio ad. But more than anything, it's every play and every listener that gives me the chance to keep coming back and provide you with the stories that I hope you want to hear and I'm always looking forward to share.